You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Thank you for that good special. I've never heard girls sing so pretty in all my life. That was a blessing. I appreciate that. I've enjoyed being here. Got in last night and enjoyed today. And uh, I've been hot until now. I'm glad there's air conditioning in this church. I was nervous about that. Every time I step outside, my glasses fog up. I can't see for 10 minutes. And I smell barbecue in the air. But I've enjoyed it. And uh, it's been my honor to be here and enjoy your pastor and our fellowship together. But I'm excited to be here with you. I've heard a lot of great things. Uh, I'm excited to see that new building over there, too, and what God is doing. And I, I said this the other day, the previous generation lived through the church growth era. Everybody was building something. And I'm afraid in our day, a lot of churches are dying, going the wrong direction. But I'm glad that's not happening here. And thank God for that. God's been good. And uh, I'm excited about it. I got to meet some young people as soon as I walked in. They all showed me the holes in their mouth where they've lost teeth. And I thought at first maybe it's because we're in Texas and they rub snuff. I don't know. <laughs> now listen, disclaimer, I'm from West Virginia, so just chill, okay? It's all, it's all right. Uh, I can say what I'm... Anyway, uh, but uh, it's very impressive. My son, I have, I have a six-year-old son named Lincoln. He lost his second tooth last night. So God's just... A lot of teeth are missing in, in my life right now in different places, but... Uh, they're asking me 20 bucks a piece, so I need a good love offering tonight to pay these kids off. As soon as I walked in, they had their hand out. I said, this is a Baptist church, but uh, anyway, I've lived in California five years. I'm a missionary to a foreign land, and uh, I tell them out there, I said, it's a lot like West Virginia, except where I'm from, we shoot deer, and out there, they shoot each other. And uh, where I'm from, you go to the zoo, they don't just tell you what's in the cage. They'll give you a good recipe how to fry it just right. And uh, we call reruns of Andy Griffith documentaries where I'm from. Uh, when we moved out there, honestly, it was like the Beverly Hillbillies going out that direction. We had everything that we own in this truck. My mom was strapped to the top in a rocking chair. And... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, you pray for me. But I like it. I can say y'all, and you know what I mean. Is that right? And if I say reckon, which that's King James, by the way. But if I say that, you know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm looking forward to being with you tonight. Honored to be here. Psalm 124, please. The book of Psalms, and then Psalm 124. And uh, I want to give you a thought that God laid on my heart. We'll go through this psalm tonight. But I pray it'll be an encouragement to you. And we'll just rejoice in how good God's been to us tonight. We'll read Psalm 124, and then since you're standing, all of the book of Revelation. <laughs> and then we'll get right to the message, all right? Thank you for the hotel room and the gift basket and everything that you've done for me. And I, I really am honored to be with you uh, tonight. Psalm 124, verse number 1. Look what the Bible says. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side... When men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I like the beginning of the psalm. I like the end. 
In the beginning of the psalm, it said the Lord was on our side. At the end of the psalm, it said He still is. He is our help presently. If you preach or if you teach, you know you've got about 20 seconds for people to make up their mind if they're going to hear you or not. The introductory statement is very important. The way this psalmist, David, it says in my Bible, begins the psalm, he makes a statement and he repeats it twice. And he said, I want God's people to consider a horrible hypothetical. If things had not been the way things were, where would you be? Now, you got to remember, this is a psalm of ascent, which means God's people are on their way to worship God at His house. They're headed toward the presence of God. And so he's saying, I want to get God's people in the right frame of mind to worship God. And to get them in the right frame of mind to worship God, I want you to consider how bad your life would be, where you would find yourself tonight if God had not stepped into your life and done for you what God has done. Now, I don't want to bust your bubble or my bubble, but I think it needs busting. We wouldn't be where we are tonight if it wasn't for the Lord. There's a lot of other places you might have been on a Wednesday night, not sitting in a padded chair in an air-conditioned building, listening to a good look. look. I'd like to preach a message on humility. I just, But God has never given me that. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm joking. But there's a lot of places we could be tonight other than right here. What I want to preach on tonight is this thought. It could have been a very different story. But I'm glad that's not my story. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help to preach. I pray for power. I pray that you speak to the hearts of these men and these women, these young people. Thank you for a good crowd on a Wednesday night. Most of all, I pray you'd meet the need of the hour. Bless the preacher and his family. Thank you for this church and their vision going forward. I pray that you'd bless in all of that. Meet with us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you study Israel's history, Israel's story is a story of battles already won for them. It is a story of ways that were already made. It's a story of walls that had already been knocked down. It's a story of, 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 of paths already cleared. And you see, why is that? Well, the battles were already won because the Lord was on their side. The ways had been cleared because the Lord was on their side. The walls had been knocked down. Because the Lord was on their side. The paths were cleared because the Lord was on their side. They were the desire of God's heart, the apple of His eye. They were His beloved, His precious people, and God fought the battles for them. A lot of times we'll say it like this, David killed Goliath. It wasn't David, it was the Lord that gave them the victory. Moses led God's people. It wasn't Moses, it was the Lord that led God's people. Uh, Joshua wrought a great victory. It was God that gave them the victory. It wasn't Esther necessarily. It was God who used Esther. God gave them the victory. Their story could have been a very different story. I'm glad tonight that I'm here and I'm saved by the grace of God. But it could have been a different story. I got saved when I was 21 years old. You say, how old are you now? That's none of your business. That's so rude to even ask. But I got saved at 21. I was raised in a Christian home and in church, but for 21 years of my life, I was religious yet lost. There's a big difference in being religious and being born again. 
I was working at a summer camp in between my junior and senior year of college. And uh, I wasn't a counselor. I was a high-tech redneck. My job was to weed eat and chainsaw and clear ditches, and that's what I did. Every day I'd go out at sunup and work till sundown, and my work uniform was a pair of blue jeans with no knees in it, a sleeveless T-shirt, a backwards baseball cap, Rocky boots, and four swipes of Old Spice, and I was good to go for the day. And, And I'd work out there weeding, doing just manual labor. I wasn't saved. I was lost, 21 years old. And I was in the dining hall on a Friday afternoon. I went in there. It had double doors, just like the double doors in the back of this uh, church building. And uh, I went into the dining hall and got a drink of water. While I was getting that drink of water, I looked through the windows in those double doors, and I saw a young lady out there leading kids in these camp songs. And I just kind of watched her, not creepy or anything, you know, just kind of watching. And, and just uh, I just kind of examined it all. After she got done singing, I walked through the double doors, went up to her, and I said, My name is Justin. What's your name? She said, My name is Desiree. I thought, Good night. She's foreign. I don't even know how to spell that. But I, I looked at her and said, uh, I said, would, would you marry me? Not really, but I wanted to. I said, I'd like to take you on a date. She said, I'm not allowed to go on a date with you. And I said, how old are you? She said, 18. I said, well, I'm 21. That's legal. I'd like to take you on a date. She said, that's not the problem. She said, my dad is an independent, fundamental, premillennial, temperamental, King James only Baptist preacher, and we don't date. And that's preaching, and you didn't even notice it. But anyway, uh, she said, if you want to, you can come to church with us. And I looked real hard and thought, she's pretty good looking. I can suffer through church for her. And listen, I don't care if you've got to swallow a goldfish, give away an iPad, or a good-looking woman, whatever gets them to come. And so I thought, I'll go to church with her. Now, I'd never been to that kind of church before. My grandpa was an independent Baptist preacher, but all I knew that meant was Papa's mean, and I don't like to hang around him. And she goes to that kind of a church. I showed up that day, and I was the cutest boy you ever saw at church. Now, don't tell anybody this. It's between you and I. If you tell them I said it, I'll tell them you're a liar. We've never met. I went to church that day. I walked up to the back door of that church house. I had my mom's little purple Bible in my hand. I had on a pair of khaki shorts, a pink American Eagle T-shirt, flip-flops, and a necklace on my neck. I went... Now, don't get mad at me. Y'all dress like that now. But I walked up to the back door of that church house, and there were two men in suits waiting on me back there. I walked to the back door of that church house, and these two men said, Hey, brother! And I thought, dude, we're not related. I've never seen you before. I've never been here. I thought they were bouncers. I've never been anywhere with ushers. I've been a lot of places with bouncers. I thought, that's what these are. And they said, Why are you here? I said, I'm starting to think the same thing. They said, Why are you here? And I said, I'm looking for, and I named her name. They said, Well, her family says, and about the five, the fifth pew back from the front. You know, independent Baptists have their assigned seats. So I walked up there to that pew, and I walked there and sat down with her and her 500 brothers and sisters. I'm talking about denim jumpers for days all the way down the pew. I sat down there, and they began to sing songs like I'd heard on Andy Griffith. They began to sing like Amazing Grace and Victory in Jesus, and uh, I've got a mansion over there. Every once in a while, somebody would say amen like that. Scared me half to death. I'd never heard anybody shout in church. I thought somebody was having an aneurysm or some medical emergency. And I turned around, man, I was nervous. Now I'm paying people to say amen when I preach. But back then, I never heard it in my life. The preacher got in the pulpit. The first thing out of his mouth was, bless God. I didn't know what that meant back then. Now I know it's preacher code for I'm about to rip your lips off in Jesus' name. And he said, bless God. He said, get out your 1611 King James Bible. I thought, good night, what's that even mean? I'd never heard that in my life. I thought, and this is a true story now, I thought he meant the size of the Bible. I looked at the spine of my Bible, said King James. I thought, let me see if it's a 16 by 11. I took my finger, that's about one inch, and I began to measure my Bible, a little purple Bible my mom gave me. I measured across the bottom, seven. 
seven inches. I measure up the spine, eight inches. I thought, good night, I'm here trying to impress that girl. I got this little inadequate eight by seven King James. Everybody else is toting a family Bible all throughout the service. I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry, I've got the wrong Bible. She said, it's a King James Bible. I said, yeah, but it's an eight by seven. And she looked at me and said, shut up. First time of many since. The preacher said, go to 1 John. I turned to John chapter 1. I didn't know there was a 1 John. There is. But anyway, I turned to John chapter number 1. He began to read his Bible, and I looked at mine. Mine said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word, And that's not what he was reading. I thought, man, that girl's good looking, but she is dumb. I said, this is not the same Bible. I was nervous as you can all get out. He, he took off. He went to pray him, and then he started preaching. Now, when I mean preaching, I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking about preaching. Bold letters, cap, I mean capital letters, bold font, neon light in the front of Krispy Kreme donut. I mean preach them like a horse out of the gate at the Kentucky Derby. A hundred miles a minute, and that man took off per reach him. I sat there in the front row like, like these fellows here from the rescue mission. And I sat there, and I looked back at him. My eyes as big around as paper plates. I thought, I've never seen anything like this in my life. He scared me half to death. I thought, this dude's off his medication. He's going to have us drink Kool-Aid. I'm going to be kissing a copperhead, hugging a rattlesnake, tapping a tambourine. Sister whatever did a cartwheel down the middle aisle. I thought, I've never been anywhere like this in my life. I got scared me. He started preaching against buttermilk and baseball cards and cabbage patch dolls, breathing air and drinking water. And folks were saying, amen. I thought, don't say amen. He's not going to stop if you say amen. I thought, man, this dude, he's like 70 years old. He took his leg and put it up on the pulpit. I thought he's even either demon possessed or doing Zumba on Thursdays. There's no way that old dude can be that flexible. I thought they're going to lock the back doors. I've got myself in a cult. I thought, man, I've seen this place on 2020. I'm never going to see my mother again. I'll never see my dad again. I thought that girl's good looking, but I don't want to die for her. I've got to get out of this hillbilly church. He's preaching against everything that moved, uh, spitting on the first five rows. People were soaking it in, and I'm trying to hide under the pew. I, I thought, good night, this dude. His blood pressure's out the roof. I saw a red line coming up the side of his face. He looked like a human thermometer. There was a vein all of a sudden appeared like an anaconda. Began to go down between his eyes, and veins like PVC pipe running from his earlobe down to his shoulder blade. He preached and he preached and he preached. And I looked at him like like that. That's what I looked at him. And I looked at him nervous as I couldn't. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. Finally, he wound it down. And he gave an invitation. And he said, but God commended his love toward Justin and that while we're yet sinner. That's what it sounded like. And for the first time in my life, the Holy Spirit of God convicted me of my sin. And I realized I'm not going to heaven because I'm an American or my mom plays the piano at our little church. or I'm going to hell. I've never been saved. Now, I wish I'd have walked the aisle and got saved in the service, but I was too worried about what the girl would think than what God knew. My father-in-law can tell. You know, you can tell when somebody needs to get saved. You can just look at him and you can see it. He could tell. And he gave me a tract written by a man named John R. Rice. He's in heaven now. But he said, when you get back to your college apartment, read this. And I went back to that college apartment that I was in, secular apartment, had uh, bad things in the fridge and bad posters on the wall and had my mom's little Bible and that tract written by that preacher. And I looked through that tract and read those verses and I put my face on the carpet. And the best way I knew how I cried out to Christ to forgive me my sin and to 
save me. And that very moment, my name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And my story, thank God, was a different story. But can I say, it could have been different. I could have been in the bar room tonight. I could have been out on the street tonight. I could have been laid up under a bridge somewhere tonight. I could be in some cult or some place that doesn't preach the truth tonight. But the Lord was good in my life. In Psalm 124, these pilgrims are marching to Zion. As they go, they're reflecting, they're realizing, and they're rejoicing. They're reflecting on how God had brought them out. They're realizing how good God has been and rejoicing in that truth. If I were to sum up this psalm, I would say it's a testimony that shows for thankfulness for God's protection. These pilgrims are singing, and the theme of their song is the Lord has been on our side. No doubt about it, God is their deity. He's been their defender and He is their deliverer. And their story is a very good story. If you study the history of Israel from the opening chapter, they've got a good story to tell. They'd seen God redeem, they'd witnessed God provide, and they'd watched as God had conquered their enemies. It could have been a grim story, but thank God it's a good story. In 1873, a lady named Fanny Crosby penned a hymn, and the hymn is sung by most of our kind of churches all the time, Blessed Assurance. But you get to the hymn, and it has the, or the, 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 the chorus of the hymn, and there's a very powerful line. It says, This is is my story. This is my psalm. I'm glad tonight that I can join in with God's people in this psalm and say, I'm glad the Lord was on my side. You see, tonight, I did not come to Texas to sing you a sad song or tell you a tragic tale. I'm here to tell you I've got a good story to tell because the Lord was on my side. I'm glad tonight my story is a story of grace. It's a story of mercy. It's a story of love. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of second chances. It's a story of restoration. It's a good story because God got in my story. Tonight, I can lay my head on the pillow and not worry about hell one bit. I, I can go and pray and know I've got a God who will hear and answer my prayers. I'm glad when I'm all alone, I know I'm not really all alone because it's the Holy Spirit that comforts and guides me every step of my journey. I'm glad I've got a story to tell. I've got a book that has the answer to every question that I'll ever have in this life. I'm glad I've got a good story to tell. And like the psalmist, I can say the Lord has been on my side. I think if Adam could come, Adam would say, you know what, it could have been a bad story. But I'm glad I can tell you a pretty good story because one day in the garden, I heard the voice of the Lord there and the Lord was on my side. I think Noah would say the same thing in a perverse generation. I'm glad I found grace in the eyes of the Lord and found out the Lord was on my side. I think Abraham would say the same thing. Wrapped up in idolatry in Ur of the Chaldees, yet God came to Abraham there and called him out. He said, the Lord was on my side. Jacob could say the same thing. Jacob was a Baptist before there ever was one. He was a liar. Same man right there. But he said, you know what? He was good in my life. You can call me Israel now. The Lord was on my side. I think Joseph would tell you about a pit and then Potiphar's house in the prison. But then he could walk you around the palace and say, I'm glad that the Lord was on my side. David could show you the head of Goliath as he held it high in the Valley of Elon and say, I'm glad there was a day I discovered that the Lord was on my side. Elijah the same as he prayed down fire on Mount Carmel. He said it was a good day when the Lord was on my side. 
died in there in the fiery furnace. In Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't bow down to the king, didn't burn up in the fire. There was a fourth man with them in it. They said, the Lord was on my side. Daniel the same. They said, you better not pray. He said, I'll take that as my ticket to pray. He said, I think I'll open the windows and pray a little louder and a little longer. And he found out the Lord was on his side. In the mire, Jeremiah discovered, the Lord is on my side. You can flip over to the New Testament and it continues all throughout. An old cussing fisherman named Peter, one day on the seashore of Galilee, was called by Christ to be a fisher of men and he found out the Lord is on my side on the road to Damascus. A man who was a murderous man, a cruel man and a hateful man, persecuting Christians, closing down churches, has an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, gets his life changed by the grace of God, rises up and becomes Paul the apostle and he found out the Lord was on his side. Now listen tonight, you and I are blessed more than we realize. You know, we're blessed tonight to know the truth. We're blessed to have been saved by the grace of God. We're blessed to have a church to sit in on a Wednesday night. It could have been a different story, but I'm glad that is not my story. Now, I know we look good tonight for the most part. I try to glance quickly over sections, uh, but for the most part, we're looking good tonight. But you know what? Behind these church clothes, there's a story. Amen. And thank God for those who don't have the same story as others, but all of us have a story. But aren't you glad for that moment when the Lord intervened and changed it? Think about how many scars we would have had. Think about how many tears we could have shed. Think about how much sleep we might have lost. Think about all the depressing things, all the discouragement, had it not been the Lord who was on our side. If God would just number one iniquity, if God would just bring back to remembrance one of the things He's forgiven, what about that? If God would just remove the hedge for a moment, if God would just cut off the grace for a second, where would we be tonight? But that's not our story. Now, I know we look good, but listen, not a one of us deserves heaven tonight. I'd be in hell with my back broke. I wasn't born saved. Amen. I was born lost, headed for hell. I'd be in the same hell as the terrorist or the rapist or the dope dealer, the drunk, whoever else you want to name. I'd be there tonight, but God was good to me. And I'm glad I'll never see hell. I'll never taste hell. I'll never touch hell because the Lord was on my side. Now, if I were you, I wouldn't get excited about that either. But that's almost enough to make a Baptist shout on Wednesday night. You'll never experience what it is to be a separate from God, a cast into a lake of fire. Thank God for that because the Lord was on our side. Now, let's look at the text here quickly. He presents that hypothetical. He said, if it hadn't been the Lord, think about where you'd be tonight. Hey, there's some of you here tonight. Your marriage wouldn't be together if it hadn't been the Lord. Your children wouldn't be saved. Amen. Think about that. You wouldn't have made it through that hospital stay, that grieving period, if it hadn't been the Lord. God's been good to us tonight. Now, he's getting these people in a frame of mind to worship. So he wants them to look back and consider how would it have been if God hadn't have been God like he was for us. He said, I want you to consider the hazards we face in this life. Now look with me in verse number 3. We'll read down a few verses down to verse number 7. I want you to see what he, what he says. Then they had swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. Then the proud waters had gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul is escaped. But watch what he says. As a bird out of the snare... 
of the fowlers. He's getting God's people in a mindset to go and worship God. And by the way, when you and I reflect back on what God has done for us and where we were when he came to us, it'll make us shout. Amen. It'll make us rejoice. It'll give us a little bit of a happiness in our soul to understand that he's turned our life around. He said, I want you to consider the hazards that we face in this life. Now, he mentions several things to describe these hazards. He mentions the size of them, the strength of them, the savagery and the subtlety of these things that haunt us in this world. I want you to understand something. It is not that you and I would be less capable without God. It is that you and I would be totally incapable without God. It is not that we would have less strength without God. It is that we would be without any help or hope without God. The devil that we face, the adversary in this world, the flesh that we battle is too great for you and I on our own. And that is what he's saying in our text. He said these Hazards would swallow us up. They would sink us beneath and snare us within. You see what it says there in verse number three. Then they had swallowed us up quick. Now, I don't know if you what you think of. If you have teenagers, you probably think about them eating. But I don't think about that. I think about National Geographic. I think about, I think about a, a ravenous beast. Something that swallows something up. That is something that is large and in charge, if you will. That is something with power, something that is ferocious, something that is at the top of the food chain. He is saying, in this world, I want you to consider, if God had not been on our side, we have a hazard, an adversary that we had faced, and he likens it to a large beast that would devour its prey. It is not just going to nibble. It is not going to just take out a bite. It is going to devour. It is going to destroy and consume in totality that which it is after. He is saying you and I are so helpless and hopeless without God that if it had not been the Lord, we'd already been gone. We'd have been swallowed up. We'd have been consumed by the adversary. Do you picture that tonight? I can't fight the devil. I can't withstand his attack on my own. I must have he that is in me that is greater than he that is in this world. If it had not been the Lord, where'd we be tonight? Swallowed up, but watch this, sunk beneath. He likens this persecution, these problems in this world to waters. He said in verse 4, the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. And then he refers to it as proud waters. Have you ever seen flooding before? Has it ever rained in Texas? I don't even know. Uh, but anyhow. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, oil, that's it, right? Coming up out of the ground. But anyhow. In West Virginia, about six years ago, they had one of those 100-year floods. And West Virginia is, now listen, this is an interchangeable word, and I'm about to teach you all some culture. Holler. Hollering is something you can do. Holler. And holler is a place you can live. Everybody all right? You say, what's the definition of a holler? Where two hills come together. <laughs> Amen. You just live in the bottom of it. Anyway, where my wife lives, we always say, you got to pump the sunshine in and the moonshine out. That's how far up in the holler it was. Yeah. But uh, some of y'all say, well, now what's the address? So anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's a Presbyterian church. We'll have, Lord's, we'll have communion. <laughs> Amen. That, that hundred-year flood came, and the little creeks, creeks, the little creeks in the bottom of those hollows rose up. And, uh, you know, West Virginia, our lawn ornaments are washers and dryers and toilets and tires. And sometimes you paint a white ring around the tree. You know what I mean? It just looks really good. But anyhow, that's all that, all that trash, everything got washed into those creeks, just washed. It just destroyed everything. It destroyed people's homes. 
And every time I tell about Wall Street, somebody's got a trailer park joke, but I'm in Texas, so just keep it to yourself. Amen? You know all about that, too. So anyhow, everything was just, everybody's, everybody had a waterbed there for a while. I mean, it's floating everywhere. Destroyed it. You know what a flood does? It uproots things. It just wreaks havoc. It takes things that you thought would be there forever and just totally wipes it out. He's saying, you know what it would be like for you to live in this world without God? He said, it would be like you were caught in a torrent and couldn't keep your head above water. He said, you'd be in this life. He said, you'd be sinking under the pressure of this life every day that you live it. You know, there's been times in my life where I've gone through things, and I might not have gone through it as well as you could go through it, but I can say this, God kept my head above water. There's a lot of times I felt like I was frailing and kicking, trying to do my best to keep myself from sinking under, but thank God there was always a lifeguard nearby him, and there's always a strong arm that would reach down and lift me up. He said, now I want you to consider what you'd have sunk under, the weight of what you've had to carry, the burden that you've been under, the the torment that rolled into your life, if it hadn't been the grace of God and the mercy of God that got you through those hard places in life, where would you be without the Lord? You see, why is he talking about this? Because he's trying to get an amen out of God's people as to go to the house of God to worship. He said, you ought to just call time out and shout, lose your Baptist dignity and say amen out loud every once in a while when you consider that you could not bear up under this life, but God came in and undergirded you and helped you get through the torrents that would crash you and bring you under. Now think about that. Swallowed up, sunk beneath. But here's one, snared within. He said, if it hadn't been the Lord, he said, you're like a little bird. You see that in verse number 7? Our soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of a fowler. I think it was a couple days ago, Lincoln and I were were, were at, he's got got very high taste in food and he's very selective. So it's always the same place that we eat because his diet consists of one item of food and this is breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it is chicken nuggets. And uh, since we're Christian folk, we got to go to Chick-fil-A. So on Sunday, we eat leftover from Saturday. If I ever want anybody to backslide, it's Chick-fil-A. Come on, open on Sunday. We need food on Sunday, too. I'm joking. Who said amen? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Altar during the invitation, ma'am. But uh, we were at Chick-fil-A the other day, and we're just sitting there. We're, 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 we're eating our chicken nuggets. Y'all like chicken nuggets at Rescue Mission? Ma'am, you do? Okay, anyway, uh, I know you're not from there. I know you're not from there. This is the rejects from that TV show, The Bachelor. They've come tonight to look. Anyway, uh, um, let's see. You're not getting a rose, fellas, not a one of you. Anyway, we were eating outside, and these two little birds came down, these little tiny sparrows. They're begging for crumbs from us. They're just so small. You could imagine, if you could catch one of those, you just crush it. And they're dumb. You've seen the Windex commercials. They'll fly right into your house. I mean, you know, just... he's saying, you're like that little sparrow. He said, but watch this, the snare of the fowler. You know what a fowler, you know what? that is somebody who has studied his prey. He knows exactly what it likes to eat. He knows exactly where it likes to go. He knows exactly what tempts it, right, to let its guard down. Now, I don't know if you've ever trapped before, but you lay a trap. You study out that animal and you know. Now, listen, you either conceal the trap so the animal steps in unknowingly, or if you put the right bait in that trap, the animal won't even care if it sees those metal jaws there. It'll lust after what it sees so strongly, it'll lose all sense for a second and just step right in there and you got it. He said, I'll tell you what you'd be without God. He said, a long time ago, he said, you'd have been in bondage. You'd have been ensnared. He said, you would have been stuck in a trap that was laid for you. 
You know, I might be preaching something tonight, and you might still struggle with it, but you could say there was a day, there's no doubt about it, I was snared by it, and you could fill in the blank, whatever it was. I couldn't break the chain. I couldn't get out of the box. I couldn't escape the temptation. It was there every step of the way, and then I got saved, or then I got right, or then I got the victory, and God helped me get out of that snare. He's saying there's a hidden trap laid for us. There's an overwhelming flood in this world. There's a beast that wants to swallow us whole. He said, consider this tonight. Where would you be if it was left up to you? He said, but here's the good news for you in verse number 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord. He said, for every hazard, thank God, there's a help. There's manifold temptation, but there's manifold grace. He said, I'm glad our story is not that story. It is not if it had not been the Lord. It is that the Lord was on our side. That's why we weren't sunk beneath. That's why we weren't snared within. That's why we weren't swallowed whole because God was on our side. He stepped in and he slew the beast and he dried up the torrent and he broke the snare and he set us free. And tonight you and I can sit here and rejoice in the goodness and grace of God. A bunch of sinners saved by grace don't deserve it, did not merit it, but a mansion built on streets of gold. Why? Because God in mercy stepped into your story and he changed it. Thank God. He put a comma where the devil put a period and tonight we're heaven bound with the hammer down because the Lord is on our side. So he's saying you might want to just rejoice in that a minute. It might be all right to give an amen, praise the Lord, because God's been good in your life. And tonight to a Wednesday night crowd, I preach this at our church on a Wednesday. I just want to remind you, hey, listen, it could have been different. It could have been a lot different, but God was good to you. So here's the invitation. When's the last time that you found time to kneel on an altar and not ask God for anything? But just thank Him for everything. And just say, you know what, Lord? I just want to say thank you for rewriting my story. Thank God for the Lord. Amen. He's been good to us. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.